you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly, once again joined on the show by my co-host here, Doug Moore. That is right, it is my co-host and uh, over the last couple of days... Doug, last week I was uh, making fun because people were tweeting that I did I have a co-host, but over the last couple of days there's been some very positive tweets coming in that the show last week was very good and they also enjoyed my co-host Doug Moore. So, Doug, uh, you're getting some uh, positive buzz on, on the Twitter feed. As I rightfully deserve. There's no question that I should be getting positive buzz. Now listen, I get it. The Ireland part, that's you. But everything else, I mean, no, I'm kidding, but... As we talked about off air, I, I, I got a score to settle with you. Um, and you know exactly what it is. And I even talked to you about this right after you did it. Um, with how you went and changed the Overtime Ireland profile picture on Twitter to be a big plastered face of Colin Kelly smiling like he has no co-host whatsoever and just ignoring everybody else. who I, There are other people that write for the site. I don't write for the site. I have a podcast with you. But there are other guys, I bet, they're like, why Why the heck am I not on it? And I'm thinking to myself, why am I not on it? I'm not mentioned. I'm not on the photos. I, I feel like I don't even get paid for this. It's tough. Uh, Doug, it is very tough. But uh, sometimes I just have to get a little bit of a, an ego boost. And uh, hopefully, if, if anything anything to make you a little bit uh, le- less of an ego. I your head fit on, on the picture itself, <laughs> considering how big your ego is. So uh, we we better not be rude, Doug, and we have to introduce our guest who is on the show today and uh, leave him sitting leave him sitting in the background. He is uh, grateful enough to join the podcast here with us. It is Pat Fitzmorris uh, from Four for Four and from SI dot com, and uh, like myself, a, a Green Bay Packers fan. So I'm sure uh, he's going to go on my side here as we talk about any uh, arguments that we Everybody have here. Everybody goes on your side. <laughs> so so Pat, uh, thanks again once uh, thanks once more for joining the podcast. Oh, great to join you guys. And of course, I'm going to take your side on anything Packer related calm. But, uh, you know, since we're talking about ego boosts, uh, I just I have to know, do I get more? Do you guys get more downloads in Ireland when I'm on the show because of my Irish last name? I don't think any of your guests have a more Irish last name than I do. My uh, family. We had Ryan McDowell on before. Oh, that's pretty Irish. I forgot about Ryan. That's pretty Irish, too. But, uh, you know, my my family hails from County Clare. My dad's nice. side of the family. I think my first Twitter avatar was a pint of Guinness. So uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully, that. hopefully that guy that gives you guys you know a few extra downloads in uh, in the homeland. A little uh, boost in our, our Claire listenership this week. Hopefully, uh, County Claire gives us a, a nice little boost. But uh, it is interesting when people come on the show. Uh, we've had Patrick Doherty on. Uh, we had uh, Rotohack George Caricos, who was on probably about a month ago. He was in Ireland. His name is obviously not Irish, but he was in Ireland on a holiday uh, over the last couple of months. So we, I have got that a few times. But uh, Pat, as you are on today's show, we will say you have the most Irish name uh, of our American uh, our American guests. Outstanding. Glad I can uh, glad I can nudge out Roto Pat and uh, Ryan McDowell there. It's close, but 
it's a, it's a close race but uh, on today's show we're going to be talking lots of different topics obviously training camps have started and with that unfortunately lots of injuries have happened so we'll be talking about that injury news uh, we've been doing it over the last couple of weeks as well talking about the adp kind of ratings and uh, people around the same adp who would we choose so we're going to go and do that there again this week and we're going to be talking quite a bit about uh, some running backs and their values heading into the 2017 season so looking forward to doing that as always starting off the show uh, anyone that comes to listen to the podcast i am grateful to each and every listener that comes each and every week uh, make sure you do hit that subscribe button whether you listen on itunes stitcher tune in whatever way you listen to the show you can also stream it on overtimeireland.com and the the site is going through a bit of a facelift at the moment uh, it looks uh, quite nice but it's going to keep getting boosted over the next couple of weeks as we work out a few kinks ahead of the new season you can also find a couple of banner ads on there for nfl shop europe as well as amazon.com and amazon.co.uk so use those banner ads to help support overtime ireland and uh, once again we are grateful for all the support that you give us each and every week here uh, at overtime ireland so with all them shameless plugs out of the way let's get start to talk about the news this week and uh, you know it's once training camp starts i know both of you know more than anybody it's just a it's a tough time because the training or the injuries just start to ramp up we've seen this week with jordan reed he's day-to-day after an ankle injury so he had a checkup this week there was kind of panic on monday as that news came out but you know, just if you go down through, I'm just looking at Roto World here, and you just go down through the list, and Marcus Wheaton's out for two weeks. Sterling Shepard has a low ankle sprain. Uh, Texas wide receiver Will Fuller has a broken collarbone. He's out for two to three months. So it just it, it ranks up, ramps up really at this stage. Dominic Easley of the Rams, defensive lineman out with a torn ACL, and then one of the ones probably over the last couple of days that. Uh, with fantasy relevance in those first couple of rounds of NFL uh, fantasy drafts is Jay He suffered a concussion this week, so he's going to miss at least a week, possibly longer with that. Uh, out of all the injuries that we've seen over the last couple of days, and we're recording this show on Wednesday, uh, Pat, what has been uh, the one that you've taken the biggest uh, kind of step back and started to reevaluate things? I wouldn't say the Jordan Reed thing was a re- uh, reevaluation just because I was, he was kind of a red flag guy for me anyway, mainly because just of his another red flag history. Yeah, exactly. 10th <laughs> red flag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's probably enough to give some other people a wake up call. I mean, I think the concussion thing and just the fact that he's had like five or six known concussions should be scaring people away anyway. But, you know, maybe this foot problem is going to sort of push people over the edge. But uh, the fuller, injury today is kind of a big one you know i i don't think he was going to be anyone's starting wide receiver but he was certainly draftable in most leagues and it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that now you know and it's i know there's not a lot to go around after deandre hopkins in that passing attack with you know either deshaun watson a rookie or tom savage who's pretty green himself um you know jalen strong i suppose is the the best candidate to take over in the starting lineup you know Braxton Miller I don't think his role is going to change he was going to be the third down slot guy anyway and um, you know it'll be kind of interesting to see Wendell Williams can get a foothold from uh, the University of the Cumberlands that's the uh, the guy who was hand timed in the 40 at like 4.19 I guess the laser time said 4.32 which uh, Chris Johnson was quick to point out on Twitter because he did not want his 40 record broken at the time. Um, you know, and he, he played in a triple option offense at a small school, but he had like 15 touchdowns his final year, uh, only had like 
I don't know, 15 or 20 catches, but averaged like 30 yards a catch. Um, you know, obviously just an athletic freak. And it, you know, is an interesting opportunity for him to maybe get on the field a little bit and see what uh, see what he can do, because he is just, you know, with his athletic profile, the potential could be massive if he actually knows what he's doing once he gets on the field. Yeah, there's uh, obviously the opportunity to play across from DeAndre Hopkins, and we know last year what the quarterback situation was uh, with the Texans when Brock Osweiler was there. So even this year, whether it's Tom Savage uh, that starts the season or not, it's going to be uh, an opportunity there to to get those balls at the opposite side. But Will Fuller had uh, some nice games last year and uh, obviously breaking his collarbone, missing two to three months of actions, uh, going to really hurt his progression in his second year. Doug, was there any other uh, players this week that picked up injuries? And that uh, you know, kind of shout it up on your radar. Uh, n- no, I wouldn't say that. Um, you know, we we talked about it um, a little bit off the air. How I was I was really upset about one of them, and that's Will Fuller because I talked about him, I believe, last week. And I yeah, and I mentioned how I I thought he was a guy who could take a step forward this year, and it looks like he's going to miss at least probably a third of the season if not more with this, this collarbone issue. Um, it's tough because they really, like Pat said, don't have a lot of depth behind them. Luckily, they have two really solid tight ends um, that can help pick up some of the slack with Fedorowicz and uh, Ryan Griffin. So they might get a bump a little bit, I think. Um, and obviously, DeAndre Hopkins will see even more workload. But um, no, I mean, the Jaye is, from what I read this morning, it sounds like, his first ever concussion which again no concussion is is simple but it's good that he hasn't racked up you know however many but um you know it's good to see that Sterling Shepard another favorite of mine after the way it was described with you know him in, in tears and him in a lot of lot of pain um and being carted off the field that he only uh you know and, and we say only in in the the easiest term I guess you could say uh with a low ankle sprain so a lot of injuries today um <laughs> they just can't cancel training camp altogether but uh you know we have to do with what we have to do and and um it's unfortunate hopefully there's not too many injuries going forward yeah last week uh, josh uh, hermsmeyer tweeted out about uh, a stat that 20 percent of all injuries occurred throughout the nfl season happen prior to week one so training camp really is a, a devastating time and we'll just see hopefully uh, all as many players as possible uh, can make it through it unscathed because uh, even players like uh, Jameson Crowder is suffering with a, a hamstring issue he's just day to day but sometimes we see these hamstring issues linger in and maybe he comes back a day or two or too early and uh, strains it a bit further so it's always uh, you know just time of year where we're trying to see who can stay healthy and sometimes uh, these injuries can just be very very severe and happen very very quickly uh, the other part of the news this week that I find interesting uh, come out today with the Pittsburgh Steelers is regarding Martavis Bryant and the NFL still haven't formally reinstated him obviously he was conditionally reinstated but uh, with the situation at the moment he's not able to train with the team and until he is uh, absolutely 100% reinstated so they're kind of dragging their feet Pat uh, do you think that we'll see an outcome for this in the, the next week or two you know the longer this goes on once you start getting into the actual preseason games now it's starts to lose its benefit towards the Steelers you want to get you know a player of his caliber who we expect to be the the second receiving option on that team uh, you know involved in getting uh, instituted into the game plan as quickly as possible yeah you know I don't think there's a lot of competition behind him because I I think Sammy Coates is also dealing with an injury and uh you know Juju Smith 
Schuster doesn't turn 21 until later this fall, I think. So he is just way too green, you know, despite his uh, fairly the fairly high amount of draft capital the Steelers spent on him. He's just not ready for prime time right now. So, uh, yeah, I think they are probably going to get pretty antsy to have him, um, you know, finally cleared. And, you know, it was my understanding that was kind of a formality. It is sort of strange that it hasn't happened yet, but probably probably nothing to worry about. I mean, I would think that it's going to be official within the next week or two. If it's not, then maybe we have to reassess. Yeah, and more so even than, you know, worrying about him not getting reinstated at all. I just think it's more of a kind of a pain in the butt for the, the Steelers to have to wait through this whole process as, you know, he's stayed out of trouble, well, apparently stayed out of any further trouble off the field uh, since being conditionally reinstated. So there was a lot of kind of things, that hoops that he had to jump through to get fully reinstated. So maybe they're just patching up the last couple of those. Uh, next bit of news uh, we're going to jump into, and in regards to Tavius Murray, he has uh, an injured ankle. He's on the active pup list and there's still no time for his return. The reason that I wanted to push this up on the agenda this week is because I know for the last couple of weeks, Doug's wanted to talk about some of the Minnesota Vikings skill position players. They obviously have Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Laquan Treadwell, and then they have uh, Kyle Rudolph, who a lot of people are starting to get a lot of buzz on heading into this season, and then Jarek McKinnon, obviously, and then Latavius Murray. So there's there's a lot of players there, and there's going to be some fantasy value last year. We've seen kind of an up-and-down year between Diggs and Thielen, whoever was not playing, like if one was injured and the other was playing, there was huge value there, but when the two of them played together, they kind of siphoned each other's value away, and then Kyle Rudolph uh, in the end zone, has or in the red zone, has been very productive in his career, and obviously Treadwell, a rookie last year, did pretty much nothing all season long. Pat, from these guys, uh, is there anything that you're strongly uh, fancying and targeting heading into the 2017 season? The funny thing is, Calm, as a Packer fan, I'm really required to hate the Vikings, yeah. but I, <laughs> I like so many of these guys from a fantasy perspective, actually. You know, I think, I think the offense is going to be different and that they were sort of forced to be this short-passing uh, offense just basically to keep Sam Bradford's, you know, keep him out of the hospital because the offensive line was just so decimated by injuries last year. And certainly it's, it's not... It's not a strong offensive line, even when healthy, but it's also not the, you know, just complete row of turnstiles that it was last year. And I think they're actually going to be able to, you know, go downfield a little bit more in the passing game and, uh, you know, possibly open some holes in the running game. So there are a lot of guys I like. I mean, I think Sam Bradford in two quarterback leagues or, you know, deep one quarterback leagues where you need to draft a backup is a guy who's going to be really cheap and, you know, is not a bad number two quarterback. Um, I, I like both Diggs and Thielen. And I think just because there's not really much behind him, I, I don't know about Laquan Treadwell. I don't expect him to make much of an impact this year, you know, after just basically a, a red shirts uh, rookie season. So I think there's room for both of those guys to produce like, you know, wide receiver two type numbers, you know, maybe wide receiver three in, in Thielen's case. And, uh, you know, Rudolph is kind of a nice discount tight end who I, I think he led all tight ends and targets last year. Uh, you know, Bradford obviously feels comfortable throwing to him. Uh, you know, he's, he's a, a big bodied red zone end zone threat. So, and I like Dalvin Cook, too. You know, with the Latavius Murray injury, I think that sort of opened the door for Cook to 
capitalize and, and work on maybe, you know, becoming one of those rare workhorses, the guy who just doesn't have to get into a committee. And since there are fewer than a dozen of those guys, they're pretty precious. And, uh, you know, Cook might actually have a chance to become that kind of commodity. I know his port testing at the combine scared some people off, but this is a dude who, you know, at Florida State, where he faced some pretty good college competition, his last two years, he was around 4,200 all-purpose yards rushing and receiving, and I think 40 touchdowns those two years, with kind of a, a mediocre offensive line, too. So if when you watched him in college, I mean, I, I don't think there was any doubt that he was an NFL caliber back. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about the way he tested and, you know, running bad three cone drills at the combine. Like that's not really scaring me off. And, and I kind of like him. I'm worried that the price is going to go up once he uh, shows what he can do in the preseason. But as of now, like he's one of my favorite uh, buys, you know, once you get past the top tier running backs. Yeah, it's uh, good that you said that he played behind a kind of mediocre offensive line in college because heading to the Vikings, uh, it's not going to be a great offensive line if last year's anything to go by with uh, how things went there. You mentioned Diggs and Thielen. I think that, again, both of those guys, I think, will have their weeks and have their value, but I think at their current ADP, uh, Thielen's going to have a better uh, return on investment because I think just when the two of them are healthy, it's going to just keep Diggs' ceiling a little bit lower. Uh, Treadwell then, it'll be interesting. Obviously, a first-round draft pick last year. It's going to be interesting to see if he can put it together. Last year, obviously, a massive disappointment. And you mentioned Cook with Murray out. It's obviously going to uh, help him immensely to, to try and get himself that there start and running back role. And if he does that, gets into that opportunity. I think with the defensive side of the ball, the way it is in Minnesota, they started last season very strong, I think, They'll return to a strong form this year. I think there's an opportunity for them to be in close games to allow them to stay balanced on offense and to run the ball uh, quite a bit. So it's going to be interesting there. And unfortunately for all us guys that you know love Jared McKinnon over the years when Adrian Peterson was there, it just looks like it mightn't work out for him. We'll see if he gets a third down roll this year. But uh, you know, people always talked about when AP left that he would get that opportunity, but it, it just doesn't look to be falling that way for him. Doug, I know this is a, a topic you wanted to discuss, so uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, so so like um, you know, like Pat mentioned, you know there there's a lot of players in Minnesota that can be very fantasy relevant this season. Whether you look at the wide receivers like Stephon Diggs, who's really turned up after being a fifth round pick, I believe, or a fourth round pick out of Maryland a few years ago, where I don't think anybody expected him to really be a guy who could be relying on as like a a one A to somebody's one B, which is what I'm. Thielen turned out to be last year, even if he was more of a, a possession receiver as opposed to an outside receiver. But, you know, my biggest thing is that Adam Thielen had a terrific season last year, especially down the stretch where he really put up great numbers, especially in, in PPR leagues. And, and the last time I looked at ADP numbers, he was getting drafted as like a wide receiver four or five in PPR leagues. It's like people aren't buying into him, which I, I can't say that I agree with after the the contract that the Vikings gave him this offseason. You know, they really showed a commitment to him. And I, I just really think he showed some really, really good stuff. Um, so I, I, he's a guy I'm going to be targeting everywhere, especially in PPR leagues, just because I think he's like Pat or, or you said, um, he's going to have his weeks. And I think people are really doubting him. And, you know, it's tough because then you also look at like someone like Treadwell, who I was huge on last year. I thought he was going to be that 1B guy to the 1A of Diggs, and it really didn't turn out that way. He had one catch, I believe, all season, or two catches. Um, so, 
but everything we've seen or, or read so far is he's done really well, at least compared to last season. So it'll be interesting to see. But then you also mentioned Kyle Rudolph, who really is stepping up into that, you know, that that echelon right below, um, you know, Jordan Reed, Travis Kelsey, and Rob Gronkowski um, of tight ends in fantasy. So that'll be interesting to see. And then, you know, we have a potential workhorse back in, in Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I, I really think that uh, Minnesota could be a, a hotbed of underrated fantasy performers this season with how Diggs is still not being believed by some and how Thielen is a, you know, a guy who really showed up last year and people aren't sure about. And then Treadwell, who could who has nowhere to go but up, really, and, and Cook who could come in and be a workforce right off the bat. So it'll be interesting to see, and I'm excited uh, for this this Minnesota team in regards to their, their fantasy players. Yeah, and uh, obviously with, uh, you know, Doug mentioned there, there's, there is teams each and every year that we think they're not going to have any fantasy value, and then come mid-season, they're all the hottest waiver wire pickups. So sometimes if you can get out ahead of the curve, maybe take a flyer on some of these guys if you're in multiple drafts and try and spread it around uh, I think the opportunity is there for this Vikings team and as Pat mentioned Sam Bradford last year had a, quite a nice season you know going a lot of short passes I think his yards per attempt were among the lowest in the league but uh, he finished then I think with the highest completion percentage in NFL history for a quarterback in a single season so you know that he, he was completing the passes and if they're short passes there's always the opportunity then to take them those extra yards and if you're playing a PPR leagues doesn't matter how short they are if you're getting that point per reception uh, moving on to some running back talk now and I know Doug talked about him maybe four or five weeks ago in the podcast but I know Pat wants to have a mention about him now and uh, I want to let him have the floor on him it's uh, Marshawn Lynch obviously playing with the Oakland Raiders hype maybe uh, is going to start to get out of control as we uh, head in to the next two or three weeks for beast mode people remember in the glory days but Pat, uh, what's your thoughts on Marshawn Lynch heading into the 2017 season? You mean it's not out of control yet, Colm? Uh, I, mean, I, uh, I think it's going to get even worse. It's going <laughs> to get worse. I mean, his ADP is already, what, top top 12? Is he at 12, I think? Will he get to number one overall? <laughs> oh, so, you know, obviously being away from football for a year, he had already made the decision that he wanted to you know, get out, and he had a medical incentive to do so because he's got this – compressed cartilage condition in his back that apparently can't heal it's something he's got to live with and you know can only get worse apparently so you know he's already got sort of a medical issue coming into the season possibly uh you know he's got two backs behind him who played really well behind Latavius Murray last year you know with DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard I think people are sort of ascribing like 2016 Dallas Cowboy traits to this Oakland offensive line, which, you know, while good, it's certainly a good offensive line. I don't think necessarily any running back you put behind there is going to automatically be a 10 touchdown candidate, uh, you know, just on the strength of this line. And, you know, I've, I've also kind of seen the fallacy kicked around that Marshawn Lynch always ran behind terrible lines in Seattle, which, you know, in the, run of four 1000 yard rushing seasons. He had uh, football outsiders in their, um, their, I forget what they call their run blocking metric, but according to football outsiders, their Seattle line was top 10 in run blocking in three of those four seasons. So, you know, it's not like he was running behind a trash offensive line during his run in Seattle. I just don't see how you can, draft him at an expectation where you're going to get like, you know, 12 or 1300 
1,400 yards from scrimmage from him and like double digit touchdowns, you know, and he's being drafted in a spot where I think he's being counted on for this big workload. And I don't think he's going to play third downs. He will be the goal line back, of course, but, um, you know, he might get spelled a little bit on early downs by Washington or Richard. You know, I'm, I'm totally out on him at his ADP. I, I just do not think he is a top 15 back coming into the season. I'll be su- very surprised if he finishes top 15. Yeah, and I think that was Doug's sentiment uh, a few weeks back on the podcast. And I talked last week uh, doing one of the road of his season previews uh, with Jimmy Durkin, who covers the Raiders. And he was saying that, you know, the plan with Marshawn Lynch is to try and uh, ease him throughout the season, try and see if they can get into a position to challenge for the, the divisional title, get into the playoffs, and then can he use him in that role? And, you know, when you look at what he did as well with Seattle, he had Russell Wilson uh, for the last couple of those years, uh, the option for him, to, Russell, to run the ball. And that obviously opened up things, even with that bad offensive line. So, I do think he's uh, going much too high at this uh, point in time, and I think uh, he's not somebody who's going to end up on a lot of my rosters uh, this year. Um, Doug, I'm going to let you go next, and we're talking with the, the 49ers. Obviously, Carlos Hyde uh, starting the offseason. There was a lot of down uh, down talk about him around the uh, offices uh, in Sa- San Francisco, but they've started to kind of talk him up a little bit more. Maybe it's because they thought that if they kept trashing him that there'll be uh, nobody there interested in trading for him. But with uh, Carlos Hyde, looks like he is now going to be the starter. There was rumours of him being cut a couple of weeks ago. I thought at the time that seemed ridiculous. But when you're looking now with Joe Williams, there's rumours that he's off to a slow start in training camp. But you know, you're you're less than a week into training camp. I, I think all this, especially with the rookies, take a pinch of salt and really don't pay too much attention to it. The player, though, Tim Hightower, somebody who uh, has played in this uh, style of offense before, uh, it's interesting to see what he'll do in the third down or thir- third running back slot there. Possibly, I think he could take over as the second running back behind Carlos Hyde in this offense. Uh, you know, he is uh, somebody who last year Mark Ingram owners will remember very, very well that uh, when given the opportunity to split time with Mark Ingram, had a pretty nice role down in New Orleans. So, Doug, with the 49ers, uh, would you go with them in that kind of order that I mentioned there, putting uh, Tim Hightower into the second spot, or would you have maybe even Joe Williams as a starter come week one? What way have you them uh, sprinkled into your listings? Yeah, so I'll first off by saying that I'm, I'm a huge fan of Joe Williams. He's not necessarily the most ver- – he, he he's not a complete running back. There's no question about it. There was already issues about his character and his – his, his commitment to football after retiring and then coming back and everything. But I'm a big fan of his game. He's a, a very good north to south runner. Um, and I, I think that that's going to be his strength. How the 49ers utilize that, that's still unknown. Obviously, we, we've read how John Elway and Kyle Shanahan or whoever it was, was a huge fan that traded up to get him in the fourth round, which um, I'm a little surprised at that. But again, I'm not because I think I'm a huge fan of what he can do, whether it's limited or not. Um, but, yeah, he's off to a slow start from what it sounds like. And, and that's to be expected. Not every rookie running back is going to come out of the gate like Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so it, it's tough. I don't know what Joe Williams will do um, You know, right now. I don't think he's going to be a starter at least week one. Again, the preseason is going to be a big time for him to sort of show what he can do in, in game action. So that will be interesting to see. I would say he's a guy who could, as the season goes on, um, you know, get more more touches, um, sort of how uh, Devontae Booker was doing. You know, he was doing really well in limited action, and he eventually got his way up to getting a full workload for a little while. So it'll be interesting to see, but I I wouldn't say he's more than number two or three, which, like you mentioned, Tim Hightower, he's been doing pretty well, and he has experience in this type of offense. And no matter what you may say about him, 
he's proved year in and year out that he's better than what people expect. Um, how long more he can do it, I don't know. But he's probably like, the guy I think could really be the starter for this team. I just don't buy in to Carlos Hyde. And, and not because of his talent. I'm a huge fan of his talent. I just I don't know if the 49ers are really keen on him in this offense. Obviously, he was drafted by the, the previous regime. And, you know, he, he showed well when he was healthy. But this is a whole different offense. This is a whole different front office and coaching staff. Um, so it will just be interesting to see. I just don't buy into him being a workhorse because also people are seemingly forgetting that he, he's dealt with a lot of injury history um, since being in the NFL. And I just don't know if he's even going to last the entire season either. So I would say, you know, why I think I have Hightower and then, and then Williams, I don't think it's going to be the same at the end of the season. I could see it being that Hightower is that starter. And not too shortly after, just because either one, I don't know if Hyde is going to be on the team, if he's going to do well, or if he's even healthy. It could be a number of things. So I think Hightower is my dark horse to lead the team in carries. But again, I think that Joe Williams, if used right, can really be an offensive weapon for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more and more carries as the season goes on. But for right now, I will say the Hyde, Hightower, and then Williams is my is my depth order or my depth chart in regards to their running backs. Uh, Pat, what would you have to add to that? Um, you know, just that I do have Hyde as a top 20 running back, but really running back is such a minefield after you get past the top 10. So, you know, certainly there are the injury concerns with Hyde, not a, a great receiver, uh, a low-potency offense, and a lot of competition behind him and the question about whether or not the organization is behind him. So I do understand all the knocks on him. And, um, you know, it's one of those situations I think where preseason is going to be very telling and, you know, we'll, we'll know more about which way the organization wants to go, but all of these guys are, you know, interesting potential contributors and it, it entirely could be a three headed committee which would be pretty ugly considering it's not an offense that's going to put up a lot of points to begin with yeah and, and uh, you know when you mentioned carlos hyde a uh, huge injury concern uh, i do like uh, his ability when he is healthy but staying healthy has been a huge concern for him and joe williams just coming on as a rookie i just tend to not buy in hugely to rookies in the first season fair enough if it's a dynasty league and you're drafting rookies hold them but i don't usually intend to start them week one two three four five like that unless they're really a top top tier talent like as doug mentioned with somebody like ezekiel elliott last year or todd Gurley two years ago uh, so i'm looking at you know going for the value at this point and I'm not somebody who's going to target running backs early, as the listeners of the show will know. And if I uh, am passing at Carlos Hyde's current value, somebody though that you know, like a Tim Hightower, might be somebody who I take a flyer on. And you know, if he if it doesn't work out, and he, even if he gets cut from the team, or if he gets injured, or if he doesn't get carries after three weeks. I can just cut him. I, I like to go for the when I'm going for running backs, go for somebody who I think can outperform their ADP, and he's somebody I think has the opportunity to go in there and uh, maybe you know have a few shock weeks. You know, last week, last year we didn't think Jaquiz Rogers was going to do a lot down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he was fed like a workhorse. And I think Shanahan's going to want to you know go with his uh, run game here and see what he can build. Uh, this season I think he's going to try and want to keep the scores down so he's going to try and do that with a run in the run in the ball so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens but maybe Tim Hightower is a sneaky uh, by low or a stash candidate heading into this season uh, running now to the ADP uh, pairings and we're going here looking again at PPR leagues and 
Last week there was a bit of a hot take when Ben Cummings was on. I mentioned uh, with Jordy Nelson, and the first one up here is going to be Jordy Nelson, so it's going to be interesting to see what Pat says. But it's Jordy Nelson or Michael Thomas, both going kind of in that late first, early second range. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned last week on the show, I think this is the year where we really see Jordy fall off. Obviously, last year he did get the touchdowns, it took him a lot of the season to uh you know get back to form he was getting touchdowns earlier in the year too which was getting him pa- getting him you know getting him points but his performances at the start of the year weren't great he did come on a little bit towards uh the end of the season and then had a nice game in the playoffs even with his injury against uh, the falcons but i think you know i think this year we're going to have a lot more to see with the, i think randall cobb will take a step forward and i think we're going to see Devonte adams eventually start to learn how to catch passes me and doug had quite an argument on this on last week's show i think actually part of it got uh, edited out because it went on so long but uh pat with those two guys uh which one would you be taking at their current value at the the late first round early second round i heard that uh last episode come and i was shaken by your lack of faith in jordy nelson <laughs> i love uh, i love jordy but uh, he's getting he's getting up there you know he did start slowly last year you know possibly uh lingering effects from 2015 got off to kind of a slow start but touchdowns floated his value early in the season but then as things went on i mean he was just fantastic his catch rate went up his yardage went way up i think he averaged after the first five games or so, he was up at like 93 yards a game over the rest of the season. So I'm pretty confident in Jordy's place in this offense. And obviously it's a very prolific offense. So I'm going to take him mainly because I think that Michael Thomas is getting overdrafted right now. You know, he finished as the wide receiver nine, I think in standard, I don't have, have PPR in front of me. Um, but I think in the Saints offense, traditionally, you know, Breeze has not really heavily fed one wide receiver. You know, I went back and looked at this, and Marcus Colston had one top 10 fantasy finish in his entire career. And, you know, it's it can be a lazy comp, but Colston and Thomas have, like, identical size, identical speed. Uh, you know, they're not exactly the same type of receiver, but... You know, I I think there is some sort of parallel that can be drawn there. And, you know, granted, the uh, Colston Saints had Jimmy Graham around for a lot of that. So, you know, I, I think there are certainly going to be targets for Michael Thomas, obviously, this year. But, uh, you know, Breeze just has not funneled 150, 160 targets to one receiver ever. I think it's kind of a mistake to assume that Michael Thomas's next step is going to be a step up. You know, I I think he's pretty comfortably a top 20 or top 25 wide receiver this year but i do not know about him as a top 10 guy and i'm just not ready to draft him like at the turn so i'm taking jordy here yeah and uh, I, you know i mentioned the jordy thing i think jordy this year will probably still log in with maybe 68 touchdowns but i just think you know when branton cooks has moved on um you know from the saints to the patriots i think there's gonna be an opportunity there for those targets you mentioned as well jimmy graham being there when colson was there and i think you know if you're taking kobe fleener to be at the level of jimmy graham i think we're a, a lot a long a long way apart there as well i know doug sometimes brings up kobe fleener on the show but uh when we're looking around the opportunity there i think there is a, a big big opportunity for him uh, down there in new orleans and you know i obviously hope jordy just uh, tears things apart in the league this year and has a great year but that's just my feeling that his current value based on where the likes of randall cobb are going uh, in drafts at the moment but 
I do kind of tend to still stick with you there, but just for the to be the contrarian, I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. Doug, you're up next, and I'm going to let you go first on this one. It's Tyrell Williams or Deshaun Jackson. Obviously, Jackson going uh, over to Tampa Bay, and then Tyrell Williams getting a little bit of a boost this past week, uh, you know, with the wide receiver situation down there in L.A. with the Chargers. Obviously, so far so good for Keenan Allen coming back from his injury, but out of those guys going the, the late 8th, early ninth at that turn again, uh, around the 100th pick overall in drafts, uh, out of those two guys, and I think I know which one you're going to pick, but which way are you leaning on that? First off, I want to mention that I would have said Michael Thomas on the last one too because I love Michael Thomas, and he might be the best wide receiver that Drew Brees has ever had to throw to at his peak. Um, but but going on to this one, um, it's tough because I think while Deshaun Jackson has home run value, while he could just blow up one week and have two touchdowns and 100 yards and, and four or five receptions, whatever it is, um, it's tough because Deshaun Jackson really didn't fight against that number one wide receiver, um, you know, in Washington as much. I know Jordan Reed was there, but he didn't always play. Um, but you know, I think that when you look at Winston and Mike Evans, they've got this connection. They just they sink, and that's that's his guy. Um, and then the other thing too is I think people are sleeping on this. Chris Godwin has has done really well so far in training camp. And I was really high on him, and I love the situation he's in because um, I think he could really do some damage. Maybe not in year one, um, but I think he, really he could do some stuff there. Um, and then also, you know, there's a whole bunch of other playmakers there, such as, um, you know, Cameron Brayton in the red zone, uh, Charles Sims on receiving downs, uh, O.J. Howard and his, his freakish athleticism. Um, it's just tough for me to get behind Deshaun Jackson. Uh when it going up against this other guy, I'm happy to take Deshaun Jackson on my team, even though he has injury concerns as well. But I'm going to go with Tyrell Williams. I think he really showed what he can do, even if he may not be that number one guy, which knowing Keenan Allen, he might be by week two or three, um, unfortunately. But even if Keenan Allen does stay healthy, I think that Tyrell Williams showed enough that he could really be relied on as a number two wide receiver in this offense, even if Mike Williams is healthy, um, because he's already slowed down by the back injury. Um, who knows if he even plays this season, but if he does, he hasn't done much to this point and I'm a big fan of his game, but I don't think he might do. I don't think he'll do much in his rookie season. And I think Tyrell Williams is really going to be a guy that is going to surprise people that even with other bodies and other mouths to feed behind around him, um, I think he could still put up really good numbers so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with tyrell williams here actually yeah that's what i thought you were gonna go with and you know i think this adp is gonna bounce up around or two over the next two or three weeks with that injury news coming out you know he's somebody who last year had you know obviously keenan allen wasn't there but he had a very very nice season over a thousand yards and i was impressed by a lot of the play he had you mentioned deshaun jackson and his ability to take the roof off tyrell williams had some very, very uh, nice uh, touchdown grabs last year, and they weren't all short catches either. So I think you'll see Keenan Allen do the, you know, the first down work, you know, the getting targeted, you know, 10 to 15 yards downfield. And I think you'll see Williams then get some deeper targets. Travis Benjamin's still there as well to get, you know, those home run balls. But I- I'm going with him as well. But I, I do think uh, this ADP is going to bounce up, and I think we'll see a move up a round or two in the next few weeks. Pat, are you making it a clean sweep here, or are you jumping on to DJX? So I've got them very close in the same neighborhood, like in the, the 30s among the wide receivers. And and technically, I, I do have Deshaun Jackson rated higher right now. But I think Deshaun Jackson is a guy who really 
you know, you can only take him if you're going with a certain roster construction. Like, I think pairing with him, it's like wine and cheese. You really need to be careful with it because he does not pair well well with other volatile receivers who are, you know, so hit and miss from week to week. I think you have to put him with like, you know, if you've already got like Larry Fitzgerald and, uh, you know, Julio Jones. And if you want to take Deshaun as your third guy, that's fine because, you know, Jones and Fitz pretty much show up every week. But he's just so streaky. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, you'll start him for two weeks and he'll get under 40 yards and then you bench him and he goes off for 120 yards and two touchdowns. So, um, you know, even though I have Deshaun Jackson higher, I will make it a clean sweep. I have Tyrell on my Scott Fishbowl team, so I'm already partial to him and uh, very, very underrated player. And especially with Mike Williams back problems, giving him the window of opportunity again this year you know i think we're going to see another excellent season out of him yeah very very interesting that note that you made there about roster construction if you know if you have two kind of safe floor wide receivers to go and then have that guy that can have that boom bust week to try and add in there and he is uh, deshaun jackson always strikes me as that's the reason that best ball leagues were invented is for players like him where one 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 week you have a a zero point week the next week you have 40 points uh, from one player so i think uh, deshaun fits perfectly into that mold and it's gonna be Let's see how he sinks up down there uh, in Tampa Bay. I think overall the offense will be very good, but what how big his role is is going to be uh, an interesting factor for this season coming up. Uh, one last one as we hit here before we end on the CJ process of the Seahawks. Obviously, Eddie Lacy's there now. Thomas Rawls is still there. So a bit of a muddled situation. He's coming back off injury, and uh, you know a lot of people were really buying into him pre-injury last uh, season. The other one then is Jamal Charles, who missed all of last season with a knee injury. This time last year, people were kind of, not too worried or thinking, yeah, he's just going to come back. He's going to be the old Jamal Charles. And unfortunately, didn't really ever get back on the field for the Chiefs. He's now with the Broncos. CJ Anderson's there. Doug mentioned as well uh, Devontae Booker earlier, who Doug, when he did get the chance last year, was absolute garbage. But uh, <laughs> then uh, looking at those guys, they're going in the same range uh, as the two guys mentioned previously, but I've gr- grouped them into wide receivers and running backs. Is there any of those guys that interest you this season, Pat? They both interest me. Um you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the ADP for Charles has not been higher. Uh, I, I think it's right. It's right where it should be considering the injury history there. But I'm sort of surprised because he's, you know, he's the kind of guy that normally we're so many people are suckers for yeah, i think if i think if you look at the industry drafts you know that are happening a lot of people playing now so far to this point they're all kind of diehards like ourselves and then you'll see people now uh, as we get into the second third and fourth weeks of august where some people's adps will just drive up you'll see you know i mentioned with uh, marshawn lynch and it possibly getting even further out of control you'll see people coming in they'll be like oh that's marshawn lynch who won me a league five years ago adrian peterson right. same thing. you might see that there as well here with uh, jamal charge that somebody goes crazy and they're in the like third round they're like oh i can't believe jamal charles is still on the board and uh, <laughs> go a bit crazy there that's exactly it you know anyone who's played fantasy football for more than like the last you know just a year or two has owned jamal charles and has had great seasons out of jamal charles and maybe won a championship with jamal charles so they're thinking fondly of him and it might just take like one 15 yard burst in the preseason to <laughs> pump up charles adp like 10 spots but, um, you know, I just don't think that he's going to have that big role this year because they know that they can't give him 20 touches a game. I just don't think there's any chance his body holds up. So, you know, they've talked about getting him 10 a game, and I think that's more reasonable. 
you know, and Procise is a guy who I think he's going to be locked into that passing down role for Seattle. Not that passing down backs in Seattle, uh, that hasn't exactly been lucrative work in the past. But I think Procise at least has a little bit more of an opportunity, an outside chance, but, you know, a uh, a puncher's chance to take that lead job. Uh, you know, maybe one injury to Eddie Lacy is all it would take. And, um, you know, just just because Procise has the chance to be the number one guy there. And I, I don't really think, um, you know, just because of, of the way they're going to try oh. to limit Charles. Um, I think Procise is the guy I would rather have. Yeah, the question is, does he have a, a bigger puncher's chance of getting that starting job than McGregor has of beating Mayweather? But that, <laughs> that's for another couple of weeks down the line. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Once I heard puncher's <laughs> chance, I think puncher's chance forever will be associated with this uh, upcoming super fight. But looking through... Uh, with those two guys, Jamal Charles, I think just for you know the thinking of Jamal Charles and uh, reminiscing with him, I think I'd be more tempted to go there. But I'm just uh, concerned to see. I would like to see how his knee holds up, and then with pro size as well, it's difficult. With uh, I think Eddie Lacy, you know, with the money he's been paid, he's still going to have a nice role uh, and have an opportunity to be a, a lead back there. So it's a difficult one for me. It's one that I'm probably passing on both of them, but. If, I, if it was right now and I had to make a decision just based on what I know that if Jamal Charles's legs are uh, working right, if his knee is healthy, what he can do still, I believe, leads the NFL in all-time yards per carry for a, a running back at over five yards a carry. So, you know, we we know what he do, can do. He's a Hall of Fame fantasy footballer. So if there's an opportunity to, to get him and I had to make that call, uh, I think I would just take the, the plunge and go with Jamal at his current value. Um, with uh, all the kind of topics covered, I'm going to let the guys... Uh, do a few plugs here and I'm going to let Doug go first. Doug, last week you uh, talked about writing an article for the, the Patriots 53-man roster. Uh, have you anything in the, the works this week? Not right now and I, I will just mention that it's an easy choice for me between Charles and Procise and Com probably knows it's, it's Procise. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> um, he's absolutely electric and Charles is, I, I really don't know if he can even handle 10 carries again. So, but uh, no, in regards to plugs, I don't have anything queued up right now but I will tell you that the locker room guys which is my other podcast we're going to be doing a round table sunday night it was just confirmed today with evan laser who writes to the herald and adam kirching what is who also writes to the herald i found out lives in the same town as me uh which is pretty cool um we're gonna be doing a round table on sunday night talking about the first week and and everything so that'll be fun to do it's gonna be on sunday night um because they both started up their own podcast recently, so we're going to be combining the two for one episode and, and seeing how that goes. But in regards to writing material, I got nothing right now, but there's plenty more to come, I can promise that. And uh, Pat, being the guest, I'll let you go before I uh, give out uh, my long list. Oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've been working on some team previews uh, just to differentiate from the 50 other sets of team previews out there. <laughs> I've been calling them buyer's guides, and uh, those are... As of uh, tomorrow, or maybe today by the time people hear this, Thursday, uh, they should all be up on SI.com, the Sports Illustrated website. And uh, they can also be found at uh, thefootballgirl.com, where I also contribute. So, um, you know, just kind of a look at uh, every team and their players from a, uh, you know, value proposition perspective relative to ADP. And, uh, you know, I throw in a lot of bad analogies that uh you know might make someone chuckle or might not so uh check them out 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking those out. And you mentioned doing kind of previews in a different way. Well, uh, I mentioned earlier in the show doing the uh, Raiders preview last week. I recorded a, a Jets preview today for Rotovis. We're doing all 32 uh, teams in the NFL, covering them in kind of half an hour long episodes. And each episode is featuring uh, a beat writer for around 15 to 20 minutes of that. And then just some... Uh, uh, analysis after of what each and every beat writer has said so it, it's fun and whether you want, only want to listen to the team you're talking about or if it's from a fantasy, fantasy football perspective there's lots of good takeaways from them and they can all be found at rotoviz.com and of course you can find me relentlessly tweeting them out as well from my twitter handle but uh with all that said pat mentioned uh, his articles and what he does and uh, you know you can find all them very very simply by following him on twitter it's at fitz that is f-i-t-z underscore f-f and uh, definitely a great follow and a lot of fun obviously interacting with you always pat on twitter but it's even more fun uh, interviewing you and uh, talking with you on the podcast so thanks once more for jumping aboard the show thanks for having me guys always love talking about you it's uh it's an honor to be on with you and uh, obviously i'm on twitter at overtime ireland with a, a wonderful picture of uh, a shadow of my face as doug mentioned earlier which he's very disappointed about maybe we'll find something that we can put a little bit of a, a tiny bit of doug's head somewhere in it where nobody can see it but uh then uh, doug's on twitter at d more nfl and definitely make sure you're following him for that uh season uh, kind of week one of training camp review of the patriots this sunday night i'm looking forward to hearing that as well doug so until we're back next week with another show uh looking forward to it uh, we're getting closer and closer guys to the season each and every week so uh, it's getting fun and uh, we're getting close to actual football happening so uh, actually the hall of fame game taking place uh, this week so we'll actually see some uh, meaningless preseason football but at least it's getting a little bit closer so until the next time have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland check out overtimeireland.com and continue to spread the word This has been an Overtime Ireland production.